Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and PT pearls to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. All right. How's it going, everyone? About to dive into another PT Pearl and super excited for this one because it's something that all of us probably see at some point. It's instrument-assisted soft tool massage or mobilization. And we see that a lot in clinics and like clinicians or physical therapists, chiropractors, trainers, massage therapists using something on us to do something to our body. So we're going to dive in a little bit to what exactly that's doing? Are they breaking up tissue? Are they, you know, rolling out our IT band? What the heck are they doing to our body? Um, and how can we use that to our advantage? Right? Yeah, exactly. Like we're not here to necessarily say something is extremely wrong or bad um, or what you're feeling is not real. <laughs> yeah. Because there's a lot of things that actually really benefit people. Totally. We just want to give you and hopefully help you understand it a little bit more so that when you go in and you have a clinician talking to you about what they're doing, you understand it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And you understand, would this be really effective in terms of what I need right now? Or maybe I would request a different type of treatment. And that's okay. It's okay to feel empowered to have the knowledge and and ask more questions, ask better questions to your clinician. Yeah. And I think that that, I mean, aside from the tools is an important thing, going in, feeling empowered to ask questions when you have the time, know the questions you want to ask. And so this is our way of trying to give you tools for when you go in to say, hey, I heard this thing, of course, online, but could I have this? Or what do you think about this? And I always say if clinicians tend to run away from questions like that, then they might be trying to hide something Mm -hmm. and they might be trying to hide maybe their lack of understanding of something or that they just are really holed down in one technique, which again, could be something that helps people, could be something that benefits some people, but there's always more to the problem. So knowing to ask questions can be very empowering when you're with a provider because we tend to trust providers. Totally. So let's talk about it. (laughs) I-A-S-T-M. Sounds like a cheer. (laughs) What is it? Like, what are some examples if when we're talking about these instrument assisted tools, what are we talking about? So like instruments, I think a really popular one, a branded one's called Graston, or you'll see these little metal tools in a lot of offices that, you know, clinicians will use to kind of um, work up and down your legs or work around joints. So a Graston could be something you see cupping, right? Mm-hmm. So cupping something that has become popular of recent. It's been part of certain medical traditions for a long time. Um, even things like needles, some mm-hmm. might consider Dry that needling. more of, more invasive, but that's a tool and we use it to yeah. manipulate the tissues. Um, and really anything else that a clinician is going to be using in his or her hand or their hand to work on you, right? Yeah, exactly. And then the next thing we're going to talk about is, okay, well, what the heck are those tools doing. Right. And let's give some examples of of them. So we actually have them available. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see uh, one that I really (laughs) love using actually. So again, not against it. Dom and I actually use them ourselves with clients. Um, So this I call the ping one. (laughs) (laughs) If you can picture it on, uh, (laughs) on, you know, on the podcast, it, it looks like a really sharp, scary metal thing. So I say, look, but look at the 
the the shape of it, it looks like a penguin. So it can't be scary. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah, when you have these tools all laid out on like a counter when someone walks in, it kind of looks like an episode of Dexter or yeah, something. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, the ones that I have are called these guasha tools and it's kind of a popular one that you can literally get on like Amazon or something. Yep. And they just are different shapes and these ones are more of like a stone material, different shapes with different edges, you know, different kind of sharpness per se or roundness, I would say of the edges. Um, and just, yeah, for different purposes. And I have another metal one here that's kind of a different shape too, but um, so these are a few of the ones that we will use on, on different clients or recommends like say, Hey, if you had something like this laying around or wanted to look on Amazon, here's a purpose that you might be able to use this in your journey. Yeah. I mean, we're wanting to stay, wanting to stay specific to clinic clients good doing totally. it or clinicians doing it on you. Why are they doing it? What benefit is it? And, and just make it clear in terms of what are these tools actually doing? Um, because there's a lot of, first of all, you can get certifications. Almost any human can get a certification in a Guasham course. Um, or a Graston certification, but you have to have certain. I think you have to have. Yeah. I ha- I'm not yeah. Graston certified, so Me I neither. can't can't speak on that specifically. Uh, we go over it in physical therapy school a little bit. Chiropractors mm-hmm. definitely go over it. Uh, so typically, you're going to see it as from a chiropractor, a physical therapist, or an athletic trainer. However, I have se- I have worked in gyms where a lot of personal trainers are using them as well. Mm-hmm. And so why? Why? Like, how is that allowed? And what are they actually doing? And and one of the reasons that this is feels really important to me because I've worked side by side next to a trainer who is saying what he's doing. And I know that's not true. Where I will be right yeah. next to him using a t- similar tool doing things on my client, but I'm telling them it's affecting him in a different way than the trainer was. And not that the trainer didn't know, but it, we just need better understanding of what the re- current studies and the current research is saying. Yeah. And I think that that also points something out like we're going to feel a certain way after we do these things, of course. So whether someone's working on us with a tool like this or a ball or whatever, we're going to have a certain reaction and how we feel in our bodies. But again, the understanding of what's actually happening like Jen said, certain clinicians might not know exactly or might not be aware that that's not exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but just understanding as a consumer what's actually going on, then you can work it into your plan a little bit differently, maybe. Yeah. So what is the typical school of thought in... <laughs> like you know, what clinicians what, or people might say or... <laughs> yeah. What, what is really popular? I One mean, of them. A lot of people will just use the term, we're going to break up the fascia. We're going to break up the scar tissue. I think that's one thing you'll hear the most. Like, let's break it up. I'm going to get in there, break this up, and then you're going to be able to move easier. Yeah, exactly. Like that was something that I heard a lot. Like, ooh, you feel where that's tenser, where that's tighter. I have to go a little bit harder. So it might be a little painful right now because I am breaking up the scar tissue right there. And that always made me cringe a little bit. (laughs) Um, But some other things, knots, trigger points. Yeah. Um. And and ultimately, you know, if we do look at the research studies and we're looking at the articles, the the goal of a lot of them, and some did, some didn't, increase range of motion and decrease pain. Ultimately, that's yeah. that's what we're trying to do with soft tissue, soft tissue. So this instrument is just soft tissue massage, right? So soft tissue meaning muscle, tendons, um, ligaments, and yeah. trying to get 
a lot of our connective tissues. Mm -hmm. So like, how are we using those on our connective tissues to make that change? And so the school of thought that a lot of people have is, oh, we might be breaking something up, but that's just not the case, right? Because it would take a lot of pressure to actually cause those physical changes in such a short amount of time. Yeah. So when we do use these tools, we are communicating with the body though, just a little differently than some people might say. Yeah, exactly. So here's the thing, like if we're talking about tendon repair, a lot of it was was thought to to, you know, help bring what we call fibroblasts to an area and create tissue repair essentially yeah. and help that tendon if it's tendonitis, tendinopathy, things like that, help different structures within our body to repair. Yeah, I mean those fibroblasts or just all the tissues in our body like they respond to certain loads so well, what are fibroblasts what a, i think <laughs> so this word fibroblast if we hear blast think builder so fibro fiber tissue blast builder building tissues mm -hmm. right uh, specifically more specifically different types of collagen and stuff and so when we stimulate fibroblasts like we pull them a certain way we push them a certain way they're going to be like hey if they hold this for a long time or if they do this a lot we might need to start building more tissues here or model this tissue a little bit differently. So what providers were, were thinking is, oh, we'll put this type of pressure on the tissue and the fibroblasts will listen to us and mm -hmm. build. And again, not exactly the case. Right, exactly. So what we are seeing is that it takes, I believe, over 217 pounds of force per uh per square inch of the body in order to create such a great increase of pressure to stimulate those fibroblasts to actually create collagen repair. Yeah. And ultimately that's saying your clinician that is not going to be putting hopefully <laughs> more than 200 pounds of force into your body totally. that is actually going to create that level of repair. So we have to get out of this idea that we're actually mm -hmm. creating that kind of um, that that type of tissue stimulation at that level. Yeah. Like it, it's just I think we know now from the research and this can change. We can change in, in yeah. terms of what we what we know and understand. But right now, what we understand, and what we know is that we cannot create that level of change within the body and that level of repair. And again, like a lot of those types of numbers come from what we call like lab research, right? Yeah. We're doing research and we're putting pressure and then we're taking measurements and it's all very analytical. And that generally comes with an average. Mm -hmm. Not to say that certain people are going to respond different ways, but again, 217 pounds, like I'm about that, right? <laughs> so put my weight on one square inch of your body and then we might start to stimulate some activity. Like, and again, how long does that last? Yeah. How long is that stimulation going to even have an effect? Right. Right. Our fibroblasts will feel any sort of little stretch. But if it's just for a brief second, it's not going to lay down any new tissues in that amount of time. Right. So, and that was the thing, too. Like the studies that were being done in order to probably get this number, it, it was on animal studies. So a lot of these studies beforehand yeah. um, are done on animal studies. And it's just not as yeah. like we're not animals. So... <laughs> Well, we are animals. We are, but I mean, you can't <laughs> say that it's necessarily going to be the same as a human totally. in terms of how we move and how we function. Yeah. So how do we put different loads on our muscles for a long amount of time, consistently right. and chronically, right? We're not going to be having somebody sitting there doing anything to us <laughs> consistently throughout the day, but 
we move throughout the day mm-hmm. and our movement puts different pressures on our body and joint and everything. So how can we start using our movement to load those fibroblasts differently to then stimulate that different growth of tissue? Totally. And then ultimately your internal, the the force that you can build up internally within your body is going to have a greater response on those cells in order to mm-hmm. create repair over time. Not what we do hands on the body. Um, but now we do feel change. So yeah. why do we feel change after someone uses this tool or puts their hands on my body? Like, what is that actually doing? If it's not, mm. okay, we can't say that it's actually creating enough collagen repair to re- create tissue repair. We're saying it can actually repair scar tissue. That's also not happening. Um, so, so then what is it doing? Yeah, I guess there's two things, kind of going back to what you brought up about a knot, right? Yeah. I think that what we do soft tissue-wise can have a local effect or a systemic effect. And so we need to kind of dice through those things systemically or for our whole body. 15 to 30 minutes of hands-on soft tissue work with a tool or something can just have this big parasympathetic effect on our body, meaning it just relaxes our entire body. It's, very, it's a very relaxing experience. Most people think of going to a massage and their, their shoulders drop and they melt back a little bit. So it relaxes our um, nervous system, it's, which also is going to help us dilate our blood vessels, get more blood out to our joints and stuff, and immediately just give us a little more laxity in all of our muscles, Mm -hmm. right? So right there, we might have this kind of placebo where it's, oh, it is improving my pain. It is making me feel less tense. I am gaining range of motion. I must be affecting the tissues. But we're just giving that grand systemic effect. So then we kind of return to this knot, right? And a knot, a lot of times you'll look it up and I'll say, oh, it's a sensitive, painful, tight band of muscle. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Great. Thanks for describing this tight band of muscle in my back. (laughs) Like, what else is it? So I like to think about each of our muscles has a certain resting length that it feels comfortable at. And a lot of the times we'll move our body. It'll get yanked out of that comfort place, comfort zone. And then we have these little sensors in our muscles you know, along with the fibroblasts, which are laying down yeah. the tissue, but muscle spindles that and Golgi's that sense how fast our muscles are getting stretched mm-hmm. and they sense that stretch. And then they might be like, nope, I'm grabbing on. I'm not letting you go anywhere because that's dangerous. <laughs> We're safe here. But now we have this tight band of tissue that's in a knot. And every time we try to move out of it, it almost triggers it more. Yeah. Right. So that's where I kind of knots are these self-perpetuating things that the more we try to force ourselves out of it, the more it'll pull back. Right. When we use tissues, we can kind of maybe communicate with muscle spindles and Golgi's on an acute sense to give that muscle a little bit more slack, right? But that's still just a short-term fix to that potential knot or tight band of muscle we have. And we have to be careful when we do this as well. Like if your body is responding in a certain way and saying, I'm feeling like some kind of movement, some kind of instability in my body, and I'm feeling like I need to grab on right here. There's a reason that your body is feeling this sensation of needing to grab and just releasing it isn't necessarily going to or relaxing it. We should start saying (laughs) instead of releasing, we're relaxing. So just thinking of relaxing that that tissue tension is not necessarily going to to help the body feel safe. It's going to it could actually in turn make it feel more unsafe and then need to grab on again. And so and that's why like every time I feel like I go for a release or or deep tissue massage, I feel better for a certain period of time. Then it's right back. Totally. 
Right. And so that happens a lot. And so it's that's why we have to be careful with how we're using these. It might not be the answer just because we have a trigger point or we're feeling the, the position of a knot in our body doesn't necessarily mean we need to that needs to be released. We need to see, OK, what's happening systemically again, going mm-hmm. into the whole body that this area of tension is feeling the need to hold on. Am I not? Am I not activating other parts of my body? The, yeah. If it's like super tight upper trap, am I super tense at work? <laughs> am I not opening up through my chest? Am I not using the neck range of motion? Am I not getting strong through my entire body? So it's like we we it, it makes it hard, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you're not just telling me like this pain point right now can get released out and it's yeah. going to make all my problems go away, and I'm like. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I've also like, I think it's cool when, when um, my girlfriend went to a physical therapist, she was having a lot of tension up by her neck and, mm. and, and her shoulders, which raise your hand if that happens to you, right? <laughs> that, that's super common with a lot of people. And what her physical therapist told her is like, you're trying to, to get into or like r- roll out and release your first rib, which if we touch down by our neck and go and push down, that that is our first rib. Mm-hmm. Similar, if you go back, you can touch the upper part of your shoulder blade. I mean, we want to be careful. Are we really hitting this tight tissue or are we just trying to push into bone? <laughs> yeah, which is where <clears throat> if there are these points that you're noticing in your body and you've maybe tried working on them and had frustrations with them, this podcast potentially could help you understand a little bit more about what's happening to the tissues when you're working on it. Or there are a lot of people who are trained in techniques like this who do get amazing results and response by incorporating these techniques. And like we talked about, Jen was saying, our bodies are building up tension in a certain area for a reason, Mm -hmm. right? And so if we do just use a manual technique to get a lot of motion in that segment for a minute, it might feel in danger again. However, if we skillfully target and get a little bit of movement with our hands, but then allow somebody to activate through that range as we're working on them or just after we're working on them manually with these tools, that's what's going to help that person access that range, control through it, and then maybe keep it a little bit longer. Exactly. So ultimately, whether you use the tools or not, because you don't have to have someone doing this to you in order to improve, in order to get out of pain, in order to feel something different within these knots and trigger points, you have to couple it with movement. You just have to. And also remember that we said in the beginning, like these, we're not going to put enough tissue tension and pressure in order to to create this breaking up of scar tissue. So the harder you go is not better. Like mm-hmm. I will even admit like I'm guilty. Like when I would first new, I, I think new grad, like. You get excited when you can see what you're doing. Yeah. And you, you know, <laughs> the blood starts to come to the surface and you're like, ooh, as I'm going through this, it's like you're really getting a, a change in the tissue. <laughs> And then, but that's not the goal that we're trying to, we're not trying to see an effect. We cannot see scar tissue releasing. We can't even feel scar tissue. You know, that's just collagen fibers that are kind of mixed up, but we're not actually feeling that with our fingers and we're not seeing that change. And so if we're bruising or we're causing a lot of bruising based on these techniques, and I think this is something so important because it happens a lot 
And sometimes that's the goal of the treatment Mm -hmm. is that I need to get in here hard enough so that there is an effect of the body that we can visibly see. If we're bruising the body, but the actual goal of what we're achieving is a parasympathetic response causing onslaught to that Mm -hmm. and a bruise, how is that actually going to help to get into that relaxation? So just think about that. It's all a communication with the nervous system. And do we want to punch our nervous system in the face yeah. twice a week and then see <laughs> if it's going to respond and recover well from that? Right. And I think that there are slightly less extreme ways to incorporate it and use it really well in your life, yes. but also not feel like it's the tool that's doing it for you. Bring it within your own home a little bit more. Right. Exactly. So, so hopefully you've learned that like it's not bad. Yeah. We can definitely... and. Dom and I do, again, we use these tools in treatment, but we're using them either locally to get a little bit more fluid movement, um, mm-hmm. which can happen for a very limited amount of time right in that area, which we need fluids to move in order to create slide and glide of the fascia. So not a bad thing, right? Um, and we're really using it really lightly and topically in order to affect the mechanoreceptors directly underneath the skin that is going to feed back to the brain and tell it, hey, you can relax. So mm-hmm. ultimately, we're really trying to talk to the brain, get that parasympathetic effect, get that tension release, and then hopefully start to move you into a different direction, provide you with home exercises so that you start to feel something different within your body. Thank you again for joining us on yet another PT Pearl. We just appreciate you so much. And of course, if you need more visuals for each PT Pearl, they are over at Doc Gen Fit on YouTube. There is a whole section for the PT Pearls from the Optimal Body Podcast that you can use to really see what we're talking about. And don't forget, if you really like this, if you're learning from it, share it out, share it with your community. Tell us what you're learning. Rate and subscribe to the episode because there's going to be so many more goodies and PT pearls along the way. And if you're ready to dive in even deeper, don't forget we have an optimal body membership with an incredible community of movers learning with us and moving in their body. Until next time, thank you again.